Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Eclectic Full Contact Theater's satirical saunter down the silly streets of yesteryear, throwing shade. If you enjoy the adventures of the Shade and the Vamp, head over to tinyearl.com slash E-F-C-T throwing shade, where for as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bloopers, rehearsals, and special bonus episodes. And now sit back and relax and enjoy throwing shade. There is a darkness in the minds of men, a darkness in their hearts, a darkness in a room with no lights. And who knows that darkness? The Shade knows. By day, Theodore Rockwell is a go get em reporter for the Chicago Gazette Times Herald. But by night, he becomes The Shade. And can I just take this moment to say how grateful I am that we made it to season four? It's good to be steadily employed. Not steadily paid, mind you, but hey. It keeps me off the streets. Now, where was I? Oh, right. Using his uncanny ability to wear dark clothing, he, assisted by his girl Friday, Wednesday morning, who is the mysterious female vigilante, the vamp, defends the downtrodden and fights the forces of evil. But can one man defend the innocent from the scourge of Chicago's underbelly? And unsurprisingly, we have a new sponsor. It appears that Mad Murray, of Mad Murray's metronomes, really lived up to his name. Breaking into music classrooms across the city and gluing their metronomes to the presto position, resulting in several nascent orchestra students passing out during Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. So, while Murray gets the help he so desperately needs, we here at Throwing Shade would like to welcome the above-average folks at Sweeney Razors. Sweeney Razors, a shave that's as easy as pie. Also brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater, bringing you high-quality 1930s radio-style satire since, to be honest, I can't remember a time I wasn't in this booth. Previously on Throwing Shade. Huh? And now, on to our story. Act One, Scene One. Bard to the Bone. One paper, with little dignity, in fair Chicago where we lay our scene, where wage begrudged causes a mutiny, for the editor is a man most mean. Rockwell! Morning! Get in here! What can we do for you, Chief? I want to talk to you, Morning. Me? Mr. Clements? No, Morning. The other typist I've got named after a day of the week. Of course you! I'm confused. Color me surprised. If you want to talk to Wednesday, why'd you call us both in here? Huh? Huh. Habit, I guess. And like the nun said at the swimming pool, it's tough to drop the habit. 
Shouldn't I be hearing some typing? That was a grade A joke. Well, it certainly laid an egg. Now I remember why I didn't want to talk to you, Rockwell. Sorry, Chief. Well, what did you want to talk to me about, Mr. Clemens? I want to offer you a promotion Wednesday. Why not today? Rockwell. Terribly sorry, won't happen again. A promotion, Mr. Clemens? Well, that's... Amazing? Wonderful? An honor? Highly suspicious. Unusual. Well, you've been kicking and moaning about not having a byline, even though I gave you one. Once. And only to keep me from leaving. More like to keep your father from carting you off to West Virginia to marry a coal miner. Chief, that was an amazing example of former employment. I'm gonna regret this, aren't I? Almost definitely. What do you mean, former employment? You know, ex- Position! Rockwell! I'm sorry, Chief, I can't help myself. It's a problem. I'm not well. That's the first thing you said that I agree with. Now, morning. I'm offering you your own column and a permanent byline. Mr. Clemens, well, that's... Amazing? Wonderful? An honor? Absolutely. To be the first female reporter on the staff of the Chicago Gazette Times-Herald is just... Wait a minute. What exactly is my beat going to be? It isn't something like fashion, is it? Wednesday! I'm surprised at you. After all, this is... the vaguely later half of the 1930s. I can assure you that your column will be tackling a subject that is incredibly important to society. Sorry, Chief, not that I'm not overjoyed for Wednesday, but why now? Well, if you must know, Mr. Nosy Parker, we've had a, um, uh, vacancy open up. Wait. A vacancy? That means it's a column that already exists. Theo, do you know what this means? Uh... It means there's no way it's a frivolous subject since we don't have any frivolous columns in the paper. Mr. Clemens, I will... And I'm telling you right now, Clemens, don't try begging me to come back for the peanuts you're offering. You won't have Irma Landis to kick around anymore. What was that? I believe that was the vacancy. Wait. Irma Landers? Miss Lonely Hearts? That's my promotion? That's the subject that's so important to society? It's a very popular column. Irma Landers has been Miss Lonely Hearts for as long as I can remember. Why is she leaving? Crazy old Biddy wants a raise. During a depression. So this promotion doesn't come with a raise in pay? I've always admired your keen powers of observation, Morning. Um, Chief, not to rain on Wednesday's parade. This is a parade. But if Wednesday takes this promotion, who's going to be my typist? I mean, I could do it myself. No! Morning will still be your typist. I can't afford a new hire. But if I'm doing Irma's job and not making more money... Those funds have been earmarked for reinvestment. Modern equipment? Updated facilities? Executive salaries. Natch. Sorry, Mr. Clemens, but more work and no raise? I have to pass on that. Honor. You drive a hard bargain. Well, then, I guess I have no choice. I'm glad to see you're being reasonable. Rockwell, you're the new Miss Lonely Hearts. Me? Him. You. Your first column is due tomorrow. Get reading. But, Chief... You can't be serious. Why? I need somebody, and Rockwell's never complained about his pay. Because he makes twice what I do. Yeah, because I wait. Wait, what? Twice? 
Chief, I have to say, that does seem a little unbalanced. Okay, from now on, you and Morning are making the same salary. It's about time. Rockwell, I'm cutting your pay in half. Well, that seems fair. Hey! Now get out there and solve me some relationship problems. That's unbelievable. That Clemens offered me ridiculous assignment requiring more work for no raise just because I'm a woman? I can't believe I lost half my pay. Act 1, Scene 2. The Munching of Lettuce. The trudging passage of the long workday could not reduce Fair Wednesday's hysteria, which long-simmered did hotly overflow within the paper's cafeteria. Ow! What happened? I bit my tongue. You bit your tongue? Yes, I bit my tongue. At me? Did I bite my tongue at you? Yes! Did you bite your tongue at me? Is that a thing people do? I don't know what insults you men come up with. How would that be a... I did not bite my tongue at you, but I did bite my tongue. Well, watch it! Wednesday, what's wrong with you? Sorry, Wally. I'm still frustrated about Clemens and the whole Irma Landers thing. I know how you feel. Really? You know how it feels to be offered a job that is so completely beneath your skills and be expected to be grateful? Three words. Joke a day. He's got you there. Don't you start. I can't believe you accepted the job. I think accepted is a bit of a stretch. Was forcibly recruited is more like it. Clemens doesn't want to pay a woman what she's worth, so he gives the job to a man. But you said you thought the column was stupid. And besides, Irma, you're the only woman working here, so who else would he offer it to? Gentlemen? Yes. yes. You both see that I'm upset, correct? Yes. Then I don't have to make sense. Understood. Thank you. And just because I didn't want to do it doesn't mean I think a man should take a woman's job. Wait, are you saying men can't give love advice? I'm sorry. Did I miss the moment men started expressing emotions without alcohol being involved? Well, that's a gross generalization. Wednesday, I've spent the last few hours reading these letters, and they're almost always written by some woman with eight cats and no friends. Speaking of gross generalization. Oh, no, that's hard data. Most of the writers enclose photographs of the cats and list their names in the letter. They seem to think it's a selling point. See? Oh, I'll be dipped. Point is, most of these women are asking why men do the things they do or how they think. And, as you've pointed out, Theo is a man. Quite astute of you, actually. So, who is better to answer those questions? You know, Wally... I used to like you. For what it's worth, I think you did the right thing in turning down the job. Theo, when I want your opinion, I'll... Wait, what? It's beneath you. Heck, it's beneath me. And that's saying something. Wally, stop helping. Sorry. Maybe you could... Theo, I appreciate what you're trying to do. But right now, I don't want a solution. Then what do you want? To complain! Oh. Go right ahead. Feel free! Do you want me to bite my tongue again? Act 1, Scene 3. A Printer's Tale. Now see, the printer is most discontent. For Theo was dumber, and t'was a bad sport. For all the notes he lowered down on the man, and buried him in the stacks he must sort. 
You know, I wish somebody had told me I was going to get stuck doing nothing but haikus this episode. I would have stayed home. What did you hear? Haiku. What? I said haiku. Haiku, haiku, haiku. Gazoom tight. I need a new job. A few days later, Clemens called Theo and Wednesday into his office. See? Was that so hard? Rockwell! Morning! Get in here! You bellowed, Mr. Clemens? Rockwell! Have you taken any hits to the head recently? Define recently. What's wrong, Mr. Clemens? What's wrong? What's wrong? You want to know what's wrong? I thought she was pretty clear about that. What's wrong is that I've had the typesetter on the phone yelling in my ear for the past hour. Rockwell, the Lonely Hearts column is a small column. You sent the printer three pages worth of letters. I can't help it, Chief. I had a backlog that stretched back years. All these poor, unfortunate women completely ignored. I don't give a rat's. Like this poor woman, solitarily confined. She's been writing for years and never once did Irma answer her letters. She's all alone, living in a far-flung suburb. She never goes anywhere, never has any visitors. Poor thing doesn't even have a cat. What? What? I thought they all had cats. Apparently, the place she lives doesn't allow pets. To be honest, it does make her letters significantly shorter. Look, I feel for the poor old broad, too. Obviously. But you can't print all her letters at once. We need some room for the actual news. Fine, Chief. I'll pare it down to the most important five or six. One! Or one. One is good, too. A Theo. I've noticed you use your actual name in the column instead of the alias Miss Lonely Hearts. Do you think that's a good idea? Well, obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. I can't believe I'm going to say this, folks. But he has a point. Okay. Let me put it another way. Aren't you worried that by using your actual name, some of these extremely lonely women could get obsessively fixated on you and develop an unhealthy attraction that might just turn dangerous? That's an oddly specific worry. I heard it on a radio drama the other night. Wednesday, I appreciate the concern, but while that may happen in radio drama, something that far-fetched could never happen in real life. I'm sure there's no chance of anything going wrong. Besides, Dorothy lives all the way out in... Uh, the handwriting's pretty messy. Uh, Julien. I don't even know what that is. Wait. Where? Gotta run if I'm gonna get the new letters. Letter! Letter to the typesetter by deadline. See ya! You know, sometimes I wonder how somebody that dim can be as successful as he is. It's almost like he's got a more competent person helping him out. Nah. Oh, no! Morning. I didn't notice you. I'm used to it, but, uh, Mr. Clemens... I think Theo's in trouble. He is if he doesn't cut back on how many of those crazy old names he puts in my paper. Uh, no, 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 Mr. Clemens. I mean, he might be in real danger. This woman, solitarily confined, that he's writing to? Yeah, the one who lives in Julianne. Where is that, anyway? It's not Julianne. She's in Joliet. <laughs> You mean that tiny little town southwest of here? No wonder she doesn't have a life. No, no, Mr. Clemens. I think she's not in Joliet. I think she's 
in Joliet. You mean... Yes. Does anybody else find that really annoying? Let me see that. What the... Oops. You're right, Morning. This solitarily confined woman is in Joliet Prison. We have to warn Theo. Warn him about what? The woman's behind bars, under guard. What could she do to him? She's a dangerous criminal. Aren't you the one always telling me that crime is very often a result of socialist economic differences? The word you're looking for is socioeconomic. But yes. Then why tell Rockwell anything? She ain't getting out of Joliet, and him printing those letters helps sell that slob story that we ought to treat criminals like human beings instead of the boil on society's derringer they happen to be. Derriere. What does the smell of milk have to do with anything? Uh, never mind. You're overreacting. You're acting like a hysterical... A hysterical what? Um, a hysterical person who listens to too many radio dramas. Mock my words. No good can come of it. Uh-huh. Now quit wasting my time. Get out there and get me a real story. To squeal or not to squeal, that was the question. Whether it was likely that Clemens was right that nothing would result in Rockwell's misfortune, or that Theo's letters would cause a convict to fall hopelessly in love. Come on, this is Theo we're talking about. <laughs> he wouldn't recognize romance if it hit him over the head with a typewriter. <laughs> I mean, um, I think I just heard my name. Uh, coming! <laughs> we'll return to throwing shade, Romeo and Joliet, in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Friends, do you hate how quickly your razor's dull? Do you bemoan the rock-and-a-hard-place choice between constant sharpening or throwing money away on disposable blades? Do you ever find yourself almost nodding off during your morning shave due to the lack of danger to your physical well-being? If so, then Sweeney Razors are for you! The finest in straight razor technology, Sweeney Razors never dull, thanks to a proprietary alloy comprised of titanium, carbon, and sharp amantium, which is definitely a real metal and not something we just made up. Sweeney Razors are so keen, they can slice through other razors, which I'll demonstrate right now. Sounds impressive, doesn't it? Believe me, it is! And it guarantees a closer shave than any other razor on the market. In fact, Sweeney razors cut so close, you won't be able to think about anything else during your shave except for how close to the jugular that blade actually is. And, as a special introductory offer, every purchase of a Sweeney Razor comes with a free meat pie! Sweeney Razors, 
You'll love it! And now, a word from other important personages. If you love live audio drama performed with musicians and in-person foley, then you'll love Eclectic Full Contact Theater's Crash Box Festival of Short Live Audio Plays, appearing November 16th through the 19th at the Edge Off-Broadway Theater in Chicago. See six amazing audio scripts written in the noir genre, performed live. Grab your fedora and sit back for an evening of wise-cracking dames, hard-boiled P.I.s, and twisty plots, where the truth hides in the shadows, but the sound effects are out in the open. Go to eclectic-theater.com for info and tickets. And now, back to our story. Act 2, Scene 1, A Prisoner's Life's Dream. They say her name is Dorothy, but tis not so, for she is Dot. Crazy Dot, dangerous Dot, smite thee atop the noggin with a frying pan, Dot. No meek domestic servant she? Nay, she is Dot Archer of Cell Block D. Lights out, ladies. Still got two minutes by my watch, Cousteau. Your watch ain't got no authority here, Archer. You realize that's a double negative, right, Cousteau? Another wisecrack like that and I'll give you a double negative upside your head. You talk pretty tough for someone named Rainbow Cousteau. One more peep out of you and it's a knot in the box. Peep. That's it! Enjoy your night in the box, Archer. Oh, Dorothy, Dorothy, wherefore art thou, Archer? Well, that's a dumb question. We know where she is. She's in the box. We literally just told people that's where she was going. What? It means why? Then why don't they just say why? And why are we asking why she's Archer? That's her name. Play on words? What? Oh, Archer! <laughs> More Arch! You know, this is why nobody thinks Shakespeare is funny. Where was I? But soft, what light through yonder cell door breaks? Tis the east, and to Joliet it has come. Rise and shine, Archer. Pandora as I live and breathe. Thanks for letting me out of the box, Pandora. You really have to stop antagonizing Cousteau, Archer. Life would be a lot easier for you if you just followed the rules. Pandora, you are, without a doubt, my favorite screw. But I'd say the fact that I'm behind boss to begin with means I ain't exactly good at the whole rule-following thing. Come on. All right, now try to make it through breakfast without starting anything. 
Warden Steele is talking about transferring you out of state to one of the maximum security lockups if you can't keep your nose clean. Tell her to put in a better powder room facilities. I'm serious, Dot. You're one wisecrack away from Sing Sing. Try not to screw it up. You really have to work on your pep talks, Pandora? Anyway, thanks for the heads up. I'll do my best. Such a smorgasbord. What's on the menu, Marge? You got a choice between cream or wheat and cream or wheat deluxe. What makes it deluxe? I didn't smoke over the pot when I was making it. Yummy. I'll have that if you don't mind. As always, your presentation is divine. It's my passion. Next! Hey there, Archim. How's tricks? Heard you spend another night in the box thanks to Cousteau. And good morning to you, Cicero, Whipshits. Yeah, me and the head screw did our little cell block tango. I didn't know Cousteau could dance. Quiet, Cicero. Well, Archer, this should make your day. How'd you get your hands on a newspaper, Lipschitz? I employ a highly complex process known as not antagonizing every screw in the joint. You should try it sometime. What? And upset the delicate ecosystem that is Joliet Women's Penal Institution? <laughs> For the last time, Cicero, that isn't what that word means. <laughs> Sorry. Not that I don't appreciate being able to discover that. A bunch of people lost their minds over a radio program about aliens. But exactly why do you think this is going to cheer me up? No, Dad, it ain't that. They put your letter in the paper. What? Well, what do you know? The Chicago Gazette Times Herald finally came through. I've been writing to that rag for five, five years. years. And in all that time, have they ever printed a single one of my letters? They, they sure, sure ain't. ain't. All on account of me being in stir. Just because I'm behind bars. Don't mean I ain't got, got feelings. feelings. I got a sneaking suspicion I told you this before. Once or twice. The weird thing is, it ain't Miss Lonely Hearts writing the column no more. What? Who is it? Some fella named Rockwell. Don't that beat it all. Having a fella write a love advice column. It's a travesty. What's curtains got to do with it? Don't take this the wrong way, Cicero. But how exactly did you ever manage to put together a plan to rob a bank? I didn't rob nothing. My beau told me to stand there in the middle of the bank and fiddle with my stockings. So I did. By the time I was done, he'd robbed the place and took off, leaving me to take the rap. See? Men have no feelings. I don't know. My ex poured his heart out to me last time I saw him. Yeah, well, he did have a massive knife wound in it at the time. It's like I told the judge. He ran into the knife. He ran into it ten times? He had it coming. He had it coming? He had it coming. He was always looking deeply into other women's eyes. He was an optometrist.
that deserves a day in the box. So, what does this paragon of masculine sensitivity say? Dear solitarily confined. Don't eat sound dreamy. Seriously? So sorry nobody responded to you before this. But I've read all your letters. Impossible! It took five years to write all of them. This man's a liar, like all of them. Why are you always so down on fellas? Is it because your boss at the bank made you think you were sweet on you, but then embezzled a bunch of money and made it look like you done it? I gotta say, that was some first-rate exposition there, folks. No, Cicero, it's like that Austrian head shrinker says. It's because I really wish I had a... Peanuts? What? what? Sorry to interrupt, but the men's prison ordered too many peanuts. So they sent the excess over here. Want any? Why does the men's prison get peanuts and we don't? Sorry, Lipschitz. I didn't realize you liked peanuts so much. I don't. I just... Sounds to me like you're pretty envious of those peanuts. I am not envious of those men and their peanuts. It's just the principle. Look, do you want the peanuts or not? I do. It's been forever since I had peanuts. Enjoy! Mind if I get back to my letter now? Go on. My advice to you is to never give up. Just because it didn't work out with one fella doesn't mean there isn't some other guy out there with an appreciation of a woman who knows her mind with a take-charge attitude. He does know you're in prison, right? I told him I felt isolated, like my heart was in a cage. And ain't that your heart? Right, Cicero, leave some peanuts for the rest of us. I thought you didn't want any. That's not what I... Oh, so you do have peanuts envy. I never liked you. Girls. What? Listen to this. I work with a woman with the same way of thinking. And while I don't always understand her, I like her. And I'd more than likely like you. And really, what better way to kick off a relationship? Signed, Theodore Rockwell. Strange he used his real name and not the alias. It's because he wants me to know who he is. Ladies. I'm in love. What? He's sweet on me. It's right there in black and white. He wants to kick off a relationship. He said so himself. That's not exactly... How romantic! That's it. I gotta get out of here. But how? Hey, Laval! Hey, Screw! It's been ten minutes, Archer. You keep this up, you're gonna see the warden. What a coincidence, Pandora. That's exactly who I want to see. Act 2, Scene 2. Taming of the Screw. Dot is given an offer she can't refuse. Double, double, toil and trouble, one as rough as ornite stubble, tongue of lizard, claws of cat, roar of lion, eyes of rat, voice pour smooth with honey lilt, then plunge the dagger to the hilt. Reason is crazed, and crazed his reason, she marches through this cursed prison by the pricking of my thumbs, Juliet's warden this way comes. 
coming. Warden Steele? What is it, Lavelle? You're not interrupting me with another sob story about some convict getting their feelings hurt, are you? No, Warden Steele, and I might remind you that the last time I was here, it was to bring your attention to the physical abuse being visited on the inmates by Officer Cousteau. Every single one of these women are in Joliet because they visited violence upon some innocent member of society. As my mother always said, don't dish it out if you can't take it. I thought we were supposed to be rehabilitating. Nothing rehabilitates bad behavior faster than a good swift kick up the keister. Now, get to why you're here. I was just about to start my hour of cultural study. Sorry, Warden. I forgot your soap opera came on the radio this time of day. This is why you never get promoted, Lavelle. I've got an inmate that insists on speaking to you. Oh, for the love of all that... Which one is it? Dot Archer. Why are you wasting my time with that... Person who is presently standing right outside this open door. Because I know how much you like to live up to that promise you make the inmates that you're here for them. This had better be good, Lavelle. <coughs> uh, please, send her right in. Come on in, Archer. Miss Archer, how good to see you. Uh, please tell me, how might I help you? Look, Warden, I know this is going to sound a little out of left field, but once you hear me out, I think you'll agree it's best for all involved. Well, that's certainly an intriguing opening. Uh, please, do continue. Now I know, Warden, that I ain't exactly what you'd call an exemplary prisoner. Yes, I believe we put up a poster of you near the entrance for new inmates entitled, Don't Let This Happen to You. Well, see, then you're in agreement with me. Me and prison don't really fit. Well, yes, I suppose. Uh, you do seem to rankle at even the merest suggestion of discipline. See? I'm glad to hear you say that, Warden, because I know that means you'll be on board for what I'm proposing. And what exactly are you proposing? You'll let me go. Well, yes, that seems like a... Wait, what did you say? Let you go? Absolutely! I tried, you tried, but this whole thing just ain't working out. So it'd be better off for everybody if I just left. Miss Archer. Oh, please, call me Dot. Yes, of course, Dot. Lavelle, why did you bring this insane woman into my office? I didn't know what she wanted to see you for. Dot, you can't expect that we're just going to let you walk out of here. Why not? Seems like it solves everybody's problems. Because you are a criminal. You are a violent threat to the well-being of every law-abiding citizen of this city. That ain't true, Warden. I was a violent threat to one person only. My ex! And anyway, my whole attitude towards things has changed. I've been rehabilitated. Oh. Well, in that case, be on your way, with my blessing. Really? 
Now, you see, Lavelle, this is where all this molly-coddling prisoners, by not putting them under hard labor, gets us. Dog, you just spent last night in the box again. When did you get rehabilitated? During breakfast. I'm in love. In love? Now I've heard everything. Where's my cattle prod? Wait, Warden. Doc, just who did you fall in love with during breakfast? Him. Detroit Tigers first baseman Hank Greenberg? Oh, sorry. Wrong section. Him. Miss Lonely Hearts, Dodd, I think you've spent too much time in the box. Open your peepers, will ya? They gave the column to some fella named Theodore Rockwell. A man is giving romance advice? This is what happens when we get rid of child labor. I tell you, Warden, when you read the sweet words this Rockwell fella wrote to me, I knew I could go straight. Thanks to the love of a good man. Lavelle! Sorry, Warden. Shoo! Shoo! Listen here, Archer. There is no place for lovey-dovey malarkey in Queen Steele's office. No wonder you're always in such a bad mood. What? Nothing. There's no way I'm letting you walk out of prison just because you're twitterpated by some pair of trousers who doesn't know enough to repress his emotions like a decent man should. You're a con. I am a con. Half not a con eyes. Half not a con hands, organs, dimensions, senses, affections, passions. If you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? If you poison us, do we not die? And if you wrong us, shall we not revenge? Lavelle, I'm not sure about the rest of it, but that last part sounded like a threat. But if you love us, will we not love in return? For there's none of us so mean and base that hath not noble passion in our hearts. What in the name of Ma Barker is she talking about? I don't know, Warden, but I have a feeling she ain't gonna stop until you let her go. All right. Listen, Archer. If you promise to stop whatever it is you're doing, I'll make you a deal. Capiche? Gesundheit. Don't push it. Sorry. What's the deal? Now, you want something from me. But what do I get out of it? I'm out of your hair. That ain't enough, Archer. See, if you want Queenie to be good to you, then you got to be good to Queenie. If you take my meaning, you gotta play ball. Play ball? Anybody who wants to get ahead in Joliet plays ball with Queenie. Steal. What the? I'll take care of it. Hey, prison band practices tomorrow!
Sorry, Pandora. This is what happens when you get rid of chain gangs. Where was I? Playing ball. Right. Joliet has an excellent softball team, consisting of myself and all the guards. If you want out of prison, all you have to do is put together a team and beat us. You win, you walk. And if we lose? A week in the box, and you do whatever Rainbow Cousteau tells you for a month. Warden, that's too much. I'll do it. Dot, don't. You'll regret it. The only thing I'm going to regret is that I won't be around to rub Cousteau's face in our victory. Then we have a deal. You have one week. Then take a good look, ladies. Because seven days from now, you won't have Dot Archer to kick around anymore. Lavelle, give Archer and whatever ragtag group of plucky misfits she gathers an extra half hour of yard time each day. I don't want anyone saying Queenie Steele runs a rigged game. You are going to run a rigged game, though, aren't you? <laughs> of course I am. But I don't want anyone saying it. Call Cousteau and tell her to get over here and see me. Miss Archer is in for quite a surprise. Act 2, Scene 3. Pitched hard to third. Stealing home takes on a new meaning. Guards! Convicts! Baseball fans! Lend me your ears. I come to montage, Archer. Not lengthen her. The broad strokes of action will still be shown. The minute details are oft skipped over. So let it be with Archer. The hapless convict's practice that week was strenuous, while guards and warden did conspire with all. Thrice Cicero practiced the double play, which she did thrice bobble. Was that ineptness? It matters not. What is practice against guile? The week has passed. The game's afoot. Play ball! Safe! That's another run for the convicts. I have to tell you folks, the guards' chances of a win are walking on a razor's edge. An edge almost as fine as that of Sweeney's razors. The absolute fineness in home-shaving paraphernalia. No matter how stubborn your whiskers, Sweeney's razors will slice right through them, leaving you with a smooth shave second to none. And believe me, folks, when it comes to balance, nobody beats Sweeney's razors. Pick one up, and you'll swear your arm was incomplete without it. So if you're looking for a quality razor in the time of Nick, try Sweeney's razors. Easy as pie. And now, let's get back to the action. I can't believe we're up 14 to 0. It's been seven innings of baseball brilliance for our side. Which is mighty impressive, seeing as you ain't never played ball games before. Trust me, Cicero. If there's one thing I've always been good at, it's hitting balls. I think it's just aces. You'll be walking out of here to follow your heart, Dot. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing, all right. You don't look happy. Lipschitz, why don't Dot look happy? Search me. 
What good will that do? Doesn't it seem odd to you too that the gods are this bad? Well, they didn't spend no time practicing this week. They totally underestimated us. Maybe, but it seems to me like they're not even trying. Why would Warden Steele and the guards throw the game? Well, they are from Chicago. Check out their socks. I mean, they went all out for this every other way. They even got vendors in the stands. Red hats, get your red hats. Even the convicts got in on the act. Hacksaws, get your hacksaws. I just can't help but feel like something about this is cockeyed. Archer, you're up. Hey, Ump, I need a new ball. The cover's almost completely knocked off this one. You gonna miss me, Cousteau? It ain't like you're gonna be gone, Archer. More like dearly departed. What? Quit flapping your gums, Cousteau, and just pitch the ball. Here it comes, Archer. Been nice knowing you. <laughs> the long fly ball hit deep down the third base line. It's fair, it's foul, it's foul, it's fair, it's gonna hit the wall! Huh. I never knew Joliet Prison was in a warehouse district. <laughs> oh, sorry, right. Verily, the guards did swoon from blast concussive, save for one who bore grave missive. You, uh, you know that doesn't really rhyme, right? I mean, if you're going to go all rhyming couplet here, you should probably... Sorry, didn't realize I even had a lane. Fine. Grave missive it is. Run, go, into the breach, dear Dot, before they close the wall up and you'll be dead. Dead? What are you talking about? Queenie was never going to let you walk out of here. She rigged that softball to explode when you hit it. She worked in a demolitions plant during the Great War. Which side? So why didn't it blow right away? I put a delay on it. You may be a criminal, Archer, but you deserve fair play. Now go! Lavelle, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You are definitely my favorite screw. Come on, girls, follow me. And when we charge, cry, love for Archer! I'm coming, Theodore! Will Dot find Theodore Rockwell? Will love blossom? Will Cicero and Lipschitz make it in Chicago? Questions that sound a lot like these will be quietly ignored in next week's thrilling conclusion to Throwing Shade, Romeo and Joliet. Here's a sneak listen. Wow! This has been Throwing Shade, brought to you by Sweeney's Razors. Just right for everyone from a big lumberjack to a little priest. Throwing Shade has also been brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater. Remember to like, follow, and subscribe to our podcast. Or leave a review. Created by... Andrew Pond and Sarah Siegel. Written by Andrew Pond with Zach Osterman. Directed by Andrew Pond. Starring the voice talents of Chloe Adamo, Jessica Lauren Fisher, Daniel Houle, Noelle Kleiss, Zach Osterman, Andrew Pond, 
Rochelle Prue, and Monica Safflick. Our Foley artist was Lori Iyer. Our engineer was Daniel Houle. And I am your narrator, Noelle Kleiss. Special thanks to Tina Salamone! Tune in next week. Same shade time, same shade station!